And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a host of another podcast called Open a Fucking Book, and a guy that I met off of Facebook <laughs> on, a, a, on a Facebook group. It's Kevin Young, everyone. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Kevin, how are you, how's your day going so far? <laughs> uh, so far, not but a little cold. Other than that, it's not too bad. I'm, you know. Ah, uh, this is going to be so much fun because we're talking about little shop of horrors and you yes. picked this yes um myriad of probably 30 that i wanted to pick from this was the one that stuck out so i'm gonna let me just give a little bit of background and then we'll get into the discussion if you will yeah um it came out in 1986 with the screenplay by Howard Ashman, who also wrote the stage version. And obviously they had to give Charles B. Griffith and Roger Corman credit because they wrote the original 1960 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, music by Alan Menken. Lyrics by Howard Ashman. And it, the, for the film, it was arranged and adapted by... Fuck. <laughs> I'm bad at reading names. I hear you. Oh. Yeah. Bob... Bob Guido, Guadio and Robbie Merkin. Oh, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> I keep for, I, I keep forgetting this, but this movie was directed by Frank Oz. Yeah. And according to IMDb, a nerdy florist finds his chance for success and romance with the help of a giant man-eating plant who demands to be fed. That's right. So, Kevin, my first question to you is, why did you pick this movie? So I am a huge fan because you don't really realize who all is in this movie until you sit down and really watch it. It's got, got Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, John Candy. It's, and, and then a list of others that just make cameo appearances real quick. It's such, it's so good. And the, the fact that they're singing about a giant man-eating plant half the time. <laughs> and then a, the plant like, sings itself. <laughs> yes. And it's and he's great. It's great. And most of the time you think of Little Shop of Horrors, you think of the plant singing more than you think of everybody else. It's feed me, Seymour. It's great. And right. I have a uh, Seymour Krellborn pop Funko with Aud- he's holding little Audrey too. And oh actually God. in the new D&D podcast we started, my character is named Krellborn and his parents mm. called him Seymour. So I was like, screw it. I might as well just, we might as well just do Little Shop of Horrors. I mean, there's uh, plenty of other ones picked from, but that was, yeah. Yeah, well, so I I don't think I've seen this movie in, like, 10 years. Like, it's been a while. So, yeah. um, it it's always nice to be pleasantly surprised by films that you remember being good, especially mm-hmm. after the social changes that we've been going through. Yeah. Um, watch Seven Brights or Seven Brothers. That one will... <laughs> <laughs> I had to rewatch that one for for a former episode, and boy howdy, that was a <sighs> yeah, not every not everything that you loved when you were a kid stands up the test of time, you know. Nope, and this one, but this one does, and it's so it good. <laughs> I, um, so in the movie version, there are yeah. fifteen songs, which 
each song is a hit in my opinion i I mean with alan menken at the helm yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna like i like most of these there might be one or two that i'm like "Eh," about but for the for the most part yeah i'm a fan of the music in this movie which one didn't you like somewhere that's green uh really yeah that's just it's for one, you can't understand half of what she's singing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> because yeah. of her voice. And that's just not really my style. I'm more of the uh, poppy. You know, if I'm going to listen to a musical, I want a little bit more poppy, a little bit more dance. You some, Something you can get up and, and move around to, maybe. And so, uh, that one so, to me just was, didn't. So like Dentist, in a way. Yes, I love Dentist. And and um, Feed Me and even Suddenly Seymour is fun, just because you're singing Suddenly Seymour. That, yes. I mean... But I think out of all of them, that's probably the only one. And it's not that I hate it. It's just out of all of them, that's probably the one I I like the least. So now, have you ever seen the stage version of it? Uh, I have not. They mostly stay true to it until the end, basically. Okay. So little little backstory. The stage version in 1982 was the off-Broadway production. Then that's what everyone remembers. Then it went Mm -hmm. to the West End. And then in 2003, there was the Broadway revival and it ran for like a year. So yeah. it, it's a show that eventually went to Broadway. It only took what, like 28 years? Yeah, <laughs> almost three decades. But hey, it was, uh, sometimes things take time. So at the end of the stage show, that scene where the plant eats Audrey, right? Yeah. That's where it starts to diverge. Okay. So um he pulls audrey out but she has a mortal wound and she's yeah and and she dies in his arms but before she dies she wants to be eaten she wants him to feed her to the plant Mm -hmm. and then he she dies and then he feeds her to the plant and then they took they took this from the original film actually because I I watched the original film too to, okay. to, to be super not. prepared for today. I did not. Where Seymour takes like a machete and it, it willingly goes into the plant to try and kill it from the inside. Right. Unfortunately, he dies. Yeah. And there was that one character at the end, Patrick, who was played by John Belu- Jim Belushi in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the one that's like, let's uh, cut it off and spread it around and all that. He, in the stage version, he actually follows through with his plan. And so uh, the plant wins. I mean, the plant always wins in both this this movie and in the stage version. It's just right. that in this one, it's the humans that willingly give it to other humans. And the, uh, the movie, it's a little unclear. <laughs> well, now, see, I just watched it because, I ha- again, I hadn't seen it for so long. I remembered it but I hadn't seen it in a while. So I rewatched it. And the one I watched had the ending where they're selling the Audrey twos all over America. And then it's like, it's like the end of a Godzilla movie. There's just, they're just Audrey twos gigantic and everywhere. Okay. It's the theatrical one where he, at the very end, when it says that's all folks, uh, Audrey two bursts out through the screen at you. It's supposed to be like you're at the movie theater, but obviously when you're at home, it's different, but that's the one that I watched uh, the other day. And I was like, why don't I remember this? this so ending? yeah, so. that's the original ending. Yeah, that's the one that I the test audiences didn't like, and so they quickly recut the redid the ending to be yeah. 
they reprise Suddenly Seymour. Then there's the mean green mother from outer space and Rick Moranis electrocutes it and it explodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it ends with the picturesque Seymour and Audrey in the home, but then you close up on the plant. There's a little baby Audrey too in, yeah. in their flower bed. Yeah, that was the one I remembered from seeing as a kid. And I was like, I do not remember this ending. And then <laughs> then I looked up, I was like, that's why I don't, because there are two separate ones. Okay, yeah. I get it now. Yeah, you yeah. saw the what's called the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> Which I could see why they didn't put it in movie theaters because people wouldn't. I, I liked it. I thought it was cheesy and hokey and uh, B-rate, which I love that type of stuff for those movies. And I, I thought it fit in fine. So I was fine with it. So you've never seen the original 1960 version? No, I have not seen that one. Okay. I didn't even know that there was a 1960 version until... God, maybe a decade ago oh I was, I was like what oh yeah and it's one of the first films for jack nicholson really yeah he wow. plays he plays the bill murray character but it's they change it's interesting <laughs> though because they have different names for yeah. people like i don't think seymour's last name is krellborn and they gave mushnick a first name uh-huh. and all that yeah and there's a sergeant joe fink who is the narrator of sorts so it's very very different but you can see what howard ashman did yeah well i love with this one how there's no real narrator you use the music to narrate kind of what's going on i love that about this one yeah you kind of get that one guy at the beginning doing like a star wars yeah for the star wars scrolling titles who I don't remember who did that, but I, uh, uh, kudos to them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, the three going on, just singing kind of introduces you to the next, every new scene and what's going on. It seemed original to me. Yes. Um, yeah. With the, I love the urchins. And... Yeah. And it, it, it was an original for, for the eighties, but it kind of was a callback to uh, the sixties of when the whole thing was supposed to take place. Yeah, I, that's one of it's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is them singing what's going on. And it's in L.A. Yeah, Skid Row. <laughs> Never really said it's in L.A., but like, well, like I mean, they, they have a whole song about Skid Row, and I was like, what part of New York is Skid Row? And I look up Skid Row, I'm like, oh, it's on the other side of the country. <laughs> Well, because it looks so much like downtown New York. Yeah, with the puddles everywhere and the, and the, the subway. The older beat up, yeah, the older beat up buildings. It's like that's got to be in New York. I look. I was like, I I had no idea. I've lived in the Midwest my whole life. I've never had to worry about Skid Row. <laughs> I worry about East St. Louis because it's you know not too far away from here, but never been to Skid Row, so I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> oh my god! But in the uh original movie they're very they very much tell you like we're in la and they list a lot of californian cities okay so if you have like two hours i would say watch it it's wild is it (laughs) yeah i'll have to look it up it's i I saw it like the icon for it when i clicked on the one for this one uh i never went back and you know worried about the other one i was like now we're talking about this one i'm not gonna worry about it it's available on Prime, not sponsored, but hopefully one day we will be. <laughs> <laughs> so in the Broadway version, though, there are 
seven more songs than there are in the movie. I could see that. Um, they actually, one of them that was quote unquote cut was actually mm-hmm. rewritten for the Some Fun Now, that like little Calypso number with the urchins uh, and they're on the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one was called You Never Know on the stage version. But like they changed the music, but the lyrics kind of stayed the same according to Wikipedia. So take it with a grain okay, of salt. Yeah, so. And then Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is new entirely. That really? wasn't that was never in the stage show, no. That's one of my favorites. But the ones that they cut, they cut all of Mushnik's song. So Mushnik is supposed to sing too. Really? Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know Mushnik had a I don't know if I'd want Mushnik to have a song. Well, so he has this one song called Mushnik and Son. I think it's supposed to be after the plant gives them so much success. Yeah. And so he's supposed to, obviously you can kind of see in this movie, but in the stage show and definitely in the original movie, he's supposed to be more of a father figure for Seymour. Yeah. Well, and Seymour says that he, he you know, took him in and gave him a job, but he still kind of treats him like shit. Yeah. So that, but in this, in this song, it's like him being a proud dad in okay. a way. Um, yeah, that does not come across in the movie at all. No, <laughs> never. No. <laughs> if my proud dad saw me chopping up a man, he probably wouldn't take me to the police. Mm. He'd just tell me not to do it again and try to keep me from going to prison. <laughs> not holding which a gun he, to your head. Which he does where he blackmails seymour yeah kind of he's like you leave the country for 30 or 40 years and leave and this leave for the me. to me just tell me how to take care of it and dead <laughs> and you know what seymour should be like you know what? i'm gonna i'm gonna grab audrey and that's what we're gonna do and then this is all on you and leave and then i would have taken him up on the on the offer well so again in the original movie <laughs> <laughs> it's i i try to I, i'm i try not to bring it up but like i just watched it and it's so fascinating how they rewrote the story for obviously the stage and then obviously again for the move for the this movie Mm -hmm. but in the 1960 movie the mushnik character does feed it somebody oh really yeah yeah he does this person have a name or is it is it i forget is it just like is it just like a side character that doesn't matter oh it's a side character that doesn't matter he comes in tries to rob the the um crap nursery yeah the the flower shop more so is what it's called that industry yeah. and then he feeds this robber to the plant it's very weird and bizarre if and uh, you seem like a guy that likes b horror movies so yes i love b horror movies this is like quintessential b horror movie maybe even c in a little bit really but, oh i got yeah i gotta watch it i gotta uh, find time to watch it Watch. I didn't watch the colorized version because there it was in black and white originally. I'm fine with black and white, honestly. Um, it seems like it makes it more of a horror movie when it's in black and white. Yeah, but like it's fascinating because that movie is also very funny. Yeah, and there are jokes, and there's a um, at at the end, the cops are chasing Seymour, and Mushnik tries to trip seymour but seymour like jumps over his legs and he trips the cops and the cops fall down so like it's intentionally funny it's not like us looking back and being like that's stupid (laughs) (laughs) 
No, yeah. it's them. And then you can tell that a lot of the humor from that movie, Howard Ashman put into the show and then yeah. in the subsequent properties. I would say that the, the 86 version is funny, but the part I really, I only really laugh out loud at is Bill Murray in the. Oh my chair. God. God damn it. He's so, he's so good at everything he does. And Steve Martin's hilarious in that movie, but the only time I'm, I'm sitting there laughing out loud on my couch is watching Bill Murray just get so excited about the tools that are about to get shoved into his face. <laughs> and then obviously Steve Martin is not not yeah, feeling it. Off. He's pissed off. Like, get out. Get out of here. You just get out. How do you feel about Steve Martin's character? Again, I love Steve Martin and it's nice to see him as a as a villain. Probably maybe the one part of the movie that doesn't really stand the test of time is uh how, i mean how would you do that today like have this have this guy who is so horrible and obviously beats up on his girlfriend the character is he's a piece of shit well i was thinking about this earlier because obviously i have a uh i have a section later called sharp and flat which we try yep. to highlight things and I tried really hard to find something that I didn't like about this. And yes, domestic violence isn't great, but they no. don't—they don't make a joke out of it. They, all, the other characters are very serious, and they're telling Audrey to leave this man. And you know, you have her being like what you see in other TV shows and films, where she can't, she doesn't want to leave him. Yeah, because he makes good money and he's she's scared of him. Just, yeah, mostly that she's scared of him. Yeah. Like, uh, well, she tells everybody, makes... "Oh, he makes really good money." Yeah, but that's but her still... lying to yeah, herself. That's, that's her denial in the whole thing. So, and then he has that. So, and then he has dentist where he talks about taking pleasure in causing people pain. Yeah. So you have to have some like he's he he is an asshole outside of the office and with Audrey, but. You can't have a song like Dentist and have him also not be a hothead outside well, of yeah. the office. Well, and even um, Audrey, when she, I can't remember which one of the songs it's in when she's singing. Her boyfriend is a semi-sadist. I think mm-hmm. that's, a great, that's a great line. Semi-sadist. Not just, not full on. Not a full on sadist. It's the just semi-sadist. Because <laughs> he hasn't killed anybody yet. And like closer to the end when, he, when Seymour finally, not really. I guess stands up to him, points the gun at him, and he he accidentally breaks off the handle to the to the contraption he puts on himself, and he he's about dead. He's like, "What I ever do to you?" Like he doesn't understand like all the shit that you do to everybody. He's the one person you haven't really done anything to yet, and you want to know why he wants to to harm you. He's like, "What you did to her?" He's like, "Oh," and then he dies. So it. it... Because, like, yes, the domestic abuse is something that's not great, but it happens in real life, and it happens in other forms. So, yeah, I kind of want to keep it in personally because it. I, well, no, I would, I would keep it in, it, but it does make you feel kind of uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. Oh, but yes. I would, I would, yeah. You can't because if he's not beating her up, him, him taking pleasure at hurting people at his job isn't enough of a reason to throw him into the plan. Him beating her up is the reason to get rid of him because he's going to continue to do it. Yes. So that that it, without that, then there's no reason to feed him to the plant. You go find you know a serial killer or something. So you have to keep it in. Question is, is 
I saw that they're going to be making another remake, another yes. movie. And I guess is Chris Evans is in line for a role. He's yes. The, he's the only one I could see. That's the only character I could see him playing, other than maybe Bill Murray's character. He can't be Seymour because Seymour's tiny and nerdy. He's not tiny or nerdy. Well, so, so from what I found, it's um, him as Doctor Orin Scro- Scrivello. Oh, really? Which is, did you know that that's his name? Because yes. I always, yes, I always I just gloss over whenever she says Orin. Yeah, because she's she has that accent. D-D-S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Doctor. But you have Billy Porter doing the voice of Audrey too. Huh. It's going to be a very sassy plant. Yeah. Mm, well, I which mean, is interesting. I, he's great, and I'm sure he'll kill it. That's just not the first person that comes to mind when I think of Audrey too. Well, it's interesting because he already played it. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so for before it came to Broadway in 2003... Uh-huh. They did an out-of-town tryout. Just to, That's sure. what you, they usually do for Broadway shows where, you know, obviously they, I think they changed things from the off-Broadway production and now with the success of the movie, they had to yeah. You want it to be perfect things. when it gets to Broadway, not develop yeah. while it's there. Yeah. So he played Audrey too during the out-of-town tryout. And then when it was coming to Broadway, they fired all the cast members except for the guy who played Seymour. So, but that was mostly the producers, though. That wasn't uh, talking about Billy Porter's sure. uh, role or anything. So he can do, I think he can do it. And it's going to be, it's, you have to just go into it thinking it's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't think, oh, it's well, not- this is my Audrey too, and nobody else can be my Audrey. Yeah. You got to go, because you get too much of that with remakes is, well, this had, only this person can play this character. It's like that's defeats the purpose of a reboot or a remake is to have the exact same character person playing the same character. Then it's just a sequel. That's stupid. That, I have no problem with it being Billy Porter. Billy Porter. I, I, I love him. I think he's great. I think he'll probably do a great job. It's just not the first person that comes to mind when I think of that character. That's true. And then you have Scarlett Johansson as Audrey. Okay. And I can then- see that. Taryn Edgerton as Seymour. Makes sense now? Yeah. Still not real nerdy, but the boy give, can sing. Give him some glasses and he can probably adjust his body. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe tell him to stay off the weights for a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's going to be standing next to Chris Evans for part of it and everybody looks pretty much gangly and nerdy next to, <laughs> next to that dude. Except maybe, Ryan, you know, except maybe like Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, everybody else is like... <laughs> So it's going to be interesting. I think it's another musical. Well, I so would think. Yeah, I would think. It's a question of what are they going to do? Because are they going to make it more the play? Are they obviously you don't know the answers to these? But I was right. just like, what are they going to do? Are they going to write new music? Is it going to? I mean, I think you have to write some new stuff, but you have to have at least. I would think you would have to have at least some of the old songs, maybe. Maybe yeah, they a bit. maybe they bring back the Mushnik songs. Yeah, add in more. Yeah, who knows? Uh, do they have anything about the the three um, narrators? The, uh, the urchins. Yeah, the urchins. I didn't see that. They announced it at the beginning of 2020, so clearly, and then it the may be on hold. No. <laughs> there, who knows the, what'll happen? 
there is no release date. And if you look on IMDb, it just says like pre-production. So there's, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's other things that they have to get through before. <laughs> I'm just hoping it doesn't turn in because I'm a huge, like Willy Wonka was one of the, was one of the movies I almost said, let's do that one. The first one. Yes. The original. Yes. yes with with um, Gene, uh, Wilder. Gene Wilder. And I look at that one and then I look at the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp and I look at all the songs that they redid and just, in my opinion, completely fucked up. I am not a fan of the sec- of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie at all. Like my wife thinks it's okay. The kids love it, but I grew up with the original Willy Wonka. That's the one I love. Um, so I'm hoping that they don't try to do something like that where they take kind of the same song and like, I don't know, 2020 it up or 2021 it up and, and put rap. I look, I have no problem with rap, but try oh, to make no. it like modern or whatever that, that to me, you got to keep it in the sixties, I think. And you got to keep it that style of music for me personally. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that was the whole point that Alan Menken, like, studied the 60s with the do with the doo-wop era and motown and all that unless they're gonna like set it in the 80s or something else but like i hope not (laughs) you know what i mean it's just it it's little shop of horrors it's very much of the time that it's set in because of all the references and stuff yeah so unless you change the time period to something different you have to change everything yeah, because you said it in modern day, then it's it kind of turns into Does it, make sense? it turns into a different story. People are going missing, and and it's too easy to figure out who's going where. You got, you know, then you'll have vegans coming out of the woodwork trying to feed the plant, you know, organic miracle grow or something <laughs> instead of instead of people. And, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. It, it would I think it would, you got to keep it in the sixties. Even if you move it up later 60s, that still doesn't make any sense. I would leave the time period where it is and work around that with just newer actors. Yeah. And, you know, maybe punch the jokes up a little bit or uh, obviously we're speculating here and (laughs) who knows if they're going to listen to this episode or not. I mean, we'll send it to them and see what they say. Yeah. 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 Taryn Edgerton and I are best friends, so it's fine. (laughs) And I know you're besties with Scarlett Johansson, so we're, we'll, it'll be it'll work. You know, ever since the breakup with her and Ryan Reynolds, I kind of had to take sides. But yeah, I mean, her and I still talk. Okay, she still gets the Christmas card. Yeah. Okay. Not the, just me, not the whole family. Just a, <laughs> that's fine. That, that's did you see her? Needs. I know we're talking about um, Little Shop Horse, but did you see her in Jojo Rabbit? Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? Yes, and I loved her she's, in that. Oh, she's fan. Probably the most heartbreaking scene ever is when he stands <gasps> up and sees those shoes my wife well, gonna make me cry. my wife almost started i'm not a big crier when it comes to movies like uh i think the last movie i cried at was benjamin button when he turns into the baby and then the baby dot you know he goes all the way back down to a baby and then the baby dies spoiler I, alert <laughs> so if you haven't seen benjamin button by now i don't know what to <laughs> fucking tell you um but yeah i started sobbing uncontrollably at that point because i'm a dad yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. if i wasn't a dad then i would have been like eh, it sucks but i'm a dad so that, that kind of hit me hard but yeah her and jojo rabbit back to little shop of horrors anyway i think i think scarlett johansson would probably do a fine audrey i could see her doing the weird voice yeah because the only one i well chris evans doesn't really have to sing 
if you think about it, because Steve Martin didn't really sing. And I think uh, dentist is supposed to be like the I'm a cool guy, so I'm gonna yeah. talk my lyrics and yeah, maybe kinda. sing a note. Yeah, but like I could I could see him doing it either way. I th- I think I've never I don't know if I've ever heard Chris Evans sing. Yeah, he's never sang in anything before. Scarlett Johansson has, and I can't remember what. I feel okay with both of them in those roles personally. I think they'll be able to pull off whatever, and I'm I'm as I'm, I'm fine with anybody they put in any of them. You know. Just, Try not to fuck it up. Who else from the MCU would you put in this remake? <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh, shit. God, put me on the fucking spot. Um, Can we have Samuel L. Jackson as Mushnick? <laughs> <laughs> but he wouldn't. He wouldn't get eaten. He'd he'd get swallowed and then rip the fucking plant out from the inside. That would... <laughs> 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 uh, maybe oh, I'm trying to. Anthony Hopkins is Mushnick. Yes. Okay. Was, I think you'd do all right. Um, oh, John Candy's character, uh, like Willie Wilkinson or something like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the uh, the radio the, announcer. Radio, the, yeah, the DJ. I'm trying to think who would who would be okay for him. Uh, we're just we're just spitballing. We're just kill. shooting shit now. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth and uh, uh, Bill Murray's character. Mark Ruffalo, maybe as the radio DJ. Yeah, he'd probably be pretty good. Do you put him in there as Smart Hulk, or do you just leave him as uh, Bruce as Mark Ruffalo? Ooh, Smart Hulk, because I think it'll be even funnier. Yeah, if he were to play those different toys and noisemakers and things like and that. And then, and then Groot is Audrey too. It all works itself out. Yep, I'm uh, singing. Uh, well, Groot is the physical. Audrey too. Billy Porter's still the voice. <laughs> Billy Porter's voice coming out of Groot. Yeah. And Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel needs to watch his back. <laughs> that might happen. <laughs> you never know. That may happen. Um, I don't know where to go with this anymore. <laughs> I'm really, you're you're going to find I'm really good at running shit off the rails. Because we go in with, when we do ours, we go in with a, uh, a script and we know what we're going to do. And the next thing you know, we're talking about shit. That has nothing to do with anything at all that we were supposed to be talking about. I'm that's really good fine. at running shit off the rails. So. That's fine. That's the whole point of this podcast. I ask a question every once in a while, and then we we rant for a bit. Yeah. Um. So, how did you feel about Ellen Green as Audrey? The only thing I really had a problem with is the fact that sometimes that voice gets a little to the point where you can't understand exactly what she's saying. She can sing her fucking heart out when she was mm-hmm. hitting those notes. She can really belt it which was i loved but when she was like i said she was singing um it was somewhere that's green i couldn't understand some of the stuff she was saying i'm partially deaf from years of manual labor and factories (laughs) and shit like that so that could just be me so if you don't have a problem with hearing it out there in uh, radio land then you can yell at me i don't care but She, she definitely has she put it on pretty thick yeah I wanted, I wish I could have seen her in the original production because she, okay, not only did she originate the role in the off-Broadway production, she brought it to the West End in 1983. Um, Yes. And then she revived the character in 2015 for the, for City Center's Encores production with Jake Gyllenhaal as Seymour. 
Now Jake imagine that. Seymour. Okay. You know what? He, he can play a creepy character sometimes, so I guess he could probably pull off geeky too. Right, but at that point, she was in her 50s, 60s. Yeah, 60s probably. Playing a playing like a 30-year-old woman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what she... I saw her on IMDb, but I, I don't remember how she looked. I mean, if you if you can still pull it off, I guess more power to you. I'm Just, hoping I can pull off 30 when I'm in my 60s, but I know I, I can. I'm in my 30s. I can barely pull off 30 now. Just put on a helmet wig. That's right. And it'll make you look younger. And I think at that point you have to put on just the biggest, most extravagant helmet style wig that they have just to point out that we get it. She's in her sixties playing her thirties. We're having fun with it. I think that's the best. You don't try to make her look like she's in her thirties. You try to make her look like she's in her sixties, trying to look like she's in her thirties. In the 1960s. Exactly. <laughs> you got to have fun with it. With that type of movie, you got to have fun with it. We're not, we're not doing West Side Story. It's a little shop of horrors for fuck's sake. Part of me wishes, though, that they put more of the original cast in the movie. In the, get, the, the 60s movie into the, the 86 no, movie? Or the, the 86 movie into now? The, um, the off-Broadway production... Okay. into the movie okay like not uh, necessarily yeah. reprising their roles but like maybe the guy that played seymour can be the christopher guest role yeah, christopher or... guest yeah which i didn't even realize that was him until i looked it up i was like holy shit i keep forgetting what he looks like he looks like everybody yeah <laughs> he's one of those people or is like you don't realize it's christopher guest until you see that it's christopher guest um on my other podcast movie deja vu plug um (laughs) we we did an episode comparing the princess bride to stardust it didn't go well but watching the movie watching princess bride for that i i i forgot the whole movie that that was christopher guest as the six-fingered man and i was just like yes what (laughs) he's so good he's so good at just blending into whatever you need him to blend into and then I, I know him more for his directorial stuff than yeah. his acting well, stuff. You know, The Mighty Wind and um, oh, what's the one with the dogs? Oh, uh, Best in Show. Best in Show. I love those fucking movies so much. And he's so great in them. And you forget that all the other stuff that he did, just everybody that's it. it again, that, that's another thing we're just going to go off on a fucking t- tangent about when we're talking about Little Shop of Horrors. The, there's one thing that I did love about this movie and that that is the puppetry and that is yeah. that is something I hope with the remake they keep yeah they don't, don't CGI don't go CGI go puppets go puppets make it look real make them interact with one another because as good as CGI looks it really it's the feel of the movie it would take away from the whole feel of the movie if it was just CGI yeah the puppet master designer it was lyle conway Uh i don't know if you've ever heard of that name prior to this Uh, obviously you could see it in the credits you see it in the credits but i don't i don't really really think too much about puppeteers well so he worked on return to oz the blob the 1988 version of the blob and this other movie called the murders of rue morgue but prior to all that when he was solo like what when he first started he was part of the Muppet Workshop and then later part of Jim Henson's Creature Shop. 
Yeah, see, I saw this and I thought that the only people that would be able to pull that off would be Henson. So, uh, so it's uh, somebody who used to work who, with them. Yes, and with uh, Henson, he did the dream, he did a movie called Dream Child, and then a little-known movie called The Dark Crystal. Um, I don't know if I've heard of that. Yeah, Do they have it on Netflix, <laughs> like a show or something. Maybe might be on there might be on there. disney plus who knows yeah plug my own a little bit well we did a uh a, an episode on ours we we cover so we cover fiction nonfiction, children's books and ya novels of the week and one of the children's books we covered a few months ago was somebody had written an alphabet book based on dark Stop. crystal no based based on no, it was based on the labyrinth close enough close enough same same you know, henson workshop same same family thing. yeah so yeah they, there's a lot of cool shit out there all you gotta do is look for it so that was lo- kind that, they, they, they kind of ran together <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 if you're a fan of one you're probably a fan of the other yeah especially with david bowie and his crotch shots uh <laughs> so back to back to our good friend lyle conway yeah. um in 1987 he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best of Visual Effects for Audrey 2. Unfortunately, he lost to another little-known film called Aliens. Um, <laughs> God damn it. But, like, if there was a movie man. to lose to... Yeah, man, that's a hard one. God, yeah. Because Aliens is great, and there's a lot of puppetry work, but it doesn't seem like it's quite on the scale to to just Audrey 2 itself. And then all the little puppets that you got to do with all the the limbs coming up through the ground and uh, him putting a quarter in the fucking uh, pay phone, which for all you kids out there, we used to have to pay to use phones when we were out. We didn't have a phone attached to us. You actually had to put a quarter or dial a collect number so your parents had to pay for it when they got the call. Um, most, I would imagine most people under the age of 20 that were watch that now wouldn't know what the fuck a pay phone was. Oh, it's, like, it's the same thing with like watching Scream. No one will understand what having a cell phone in 1996 meant. Yeah. You watch old episodes of Saved by the Bell where he takes out his cell phone and it's bigger (laughs) than his fucking head. Well, so it's fascinating reading facts about this movie where Frank Oz and Lyle Conway were trying to figure out how to get the plant, the puppeteering, to Uh work seamlessly. Yeah. They They filmed it, but then they sped up the film okay so like they made it look a little more natural if you will right and it's very i thought it was robotics personally yeah i figured that i figured they had somebody in there like a big bird type situation where the person's actually in the costume and then they had like robotics moving the the lips because the lips themselves also move on top of the jaws moving and then the leaves move too. Yeah, so the whole thing is fucking going. So I figured that they had a whole just team of people inside the fucking thing running. I I would love to see production stills of this just to be just like, see, how did yeah. you do this? Well, that's how they, that's how they do it on Broadway. On the, oh, really? on the stage version, I mean. Yeah. You have a person actually opening and closing the mouth. Right. And then sometimes it's the person who's doing the voice sometimes it's a crew person okay that is big enough yeah well i imagine moving that stuff you'd be it would be hard to do the voice if you're moving all that stuff at the same time you'd get out of breath i would think (laughs) i would just love to see it be like an avenue q type situation where there's just a guy in black with a stick just moving it up and down 
<laughs> but man, that man, he'd have to he'd have to be strong as shit because I imagine that thing's probably heavy as fuck. That's low. That's the low budget version. Yeah. But then they also productions I've seen of it when it's still in the plant, the potted plant. Mm-hmm. It's Seymour puppeteering. The, the okay, puppet. yeah, I could see that. That actually makes sense as long as he can get his voice down. With is it talking at that point, or is it just it, sucking on his finger? It's talking at that point, so he's not. He's not. Uh, well, he's not ventriloquist. Uh, he, he's list. doing the vo- he's doing the movement. He's doing the, the yeah. Voice. Okay, that takes some uh, that takes some skill getting that down with the person you're working with. That takes a lot of training for them to talk and you to move the mouth at the same time, make it actually look like it's coming from it from the plant. It's called rehearsal. <laughs> it's got a rehearsal process. Well, if, you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't noticed from the way I talk on podcasts, we don't rehearse much. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm here. I'm here to tell you the world of theater and yes. things like that. Podcasters don't rehearse. No, we, we just, just jump. We turn on a microphone and go, listen to me. We're, we're 45 minutes into this episode. We just talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to bring up and talk about before we get to my little segments at the end here uh hmm. i love this movie i mean that's that's the, the whole reason i picked it is i just love this movie so really any part of it i could you know talk about <laughs> for however long you know steve martin every time he gets off his bike he jumps off and he lets the bike stop on its own uh just any of that just the the rick moranis sucking on his thumb and making that sound like a fucking baby it's like what what is going on the, <laughs> like, and the plant does, mimics who, it who does that who sucks on their finger like that except the baby <laughs> rick moranis apparently god i love him uh okay so then let's get into the section called sharp and flat all right sharp flat so in this section, we're going to highlight moments. Uh, and if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Mm-hmm. Kevin, do you have any sharp moments? Uh, any ones no. that like, besides the whole movie? Yeah, right. <laughs> Are you talking so, about parts of the movie or, or the, the music? Anything. Anything you anything? want. Yeah. Um, I get, you said I can't say the whole movie. Damn it. <laughs> it's this this is hard especially yeah. this one episode because you know there's I, I keep going back to to the three um the urchins yeah the urchins i keep going back to them i just i felt like that was such a perfect way to kind of take the movie from the beginning all the way through uh you know not having a, an actual narrator but but keeping that going i i love that part of it and like without that i feel like it would really take away from the movie yes so i would probably give just those three and what they do through the whole movie i would think that would probably be my show uh i agree with you on that i also loved the puppetry as we talked about yeah Yeah. i it's just mind-blowing i don't understand how they did it and i love that (laughs) <laughs> yeah that when when i'm watching the parts with the plant in it and then all the other little plants that come out um from him kind of in the uh, final stuff yeah. yeah and the 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 limbs coming up through the ground and grabbing stuff and opening stuff and grabbing people it's, it's how are you doing all this at once and we don't see don't see wires and green screens back then were fucking horrible so you don't you don't see a whole lot of what you would normally see going on 
be like, oh, I see how they do that. You don't really see a whole lot of that. No, movie. there's you. Do, it's really seamless. It's very interesting because I I didn't read anything about them like having puppeteers in green costumes doing the yeah the mouths of the little plants and everything. But they could have done that, something like that. Yeah, they could have. I mean, most of the times you saw them, you it was like close up shots of just them. So I'd imagine you don't have a lot of like Seymour's only in a couple little short snippets with them so i'd imagine that it would be a little little bit easier to cut them out but again it's 1986 computer technology isn't quite wasn't uh, up to par yeah and you talk about puppetry when he's when audrey two is on the phone and he's drumming his limbs (gasps) yes i forgot about that i was god it's so good it's genius it really is and then my other sharp is bill murray i mean I just wanna, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there now that anytime Bill Murray is in a movie, he is obviously going to be the best part of it. That's so true. I just I didn't I just I didn't mention him because I it was a <laughs> but like I was reading about it that everything prior to being into the chair was scripted. So yeah. when he was in the chair, that's him ad libbing. Yeah. Well, and that's what he does for a lot of like the Caddyshack um scene where he's hitting the the flowers with the with the trimmer or whatever that's all ad-libbed him and chevy chase in the uh in the little um shack that he lives in that's all ad-libbed he's 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 the best ever and uh, the world's the one, better for having maroon no wonder he was on snl uh do you have any flat moments that you want to talk about i mean i guess if you got a point at anything i, I I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit of how Seymour and Mushnik's relationship kind of got to where it was and maybe, Oh yeah. Maybe a little bit more of where Seymour and Audrey's relationship was kind of going. Cause that kind of ended pretty soon, but really other than that, I mean, her voice got to me a little bit in some parts, like I said, it's, it's sometimes when she was singing, it was a little hard for me to understand, but again, that could be just me. So I, I had to dig deep for this one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't like Ellen Green's singing in Suddenly Seymour. Some of the notes just felt a little off to me. And that's because I listened to the cast album from 1982 more than I've seen this movie. Oh, okay. So in that version... Yeah, I can see that because you're used to one thing and then all of a sudden it's something else. Uh, Yeah, that can really screw you up. Especially the first time she says suddenly Seymour in the movie, it mm-hmm. sounds like a yawn. <laughs> maybe, she was yawning. maybe she she had a she had a difficult day. Maybe she's yawning. But like Talking that was cops, pl- boyfriend's gone. That was it. The rest of the the movie is perfect. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's it's so fucking good. Even, even all the people coming for uh, Skid Row, all the people just coming out and uh, singing and dancing all of a sudden out of nowhere. It's I it's I love it. I love this and then movie. The the meta joke at the end with Jim Belushi be like, sorry to interrupt your singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See that and that one isn't in the original version. No. Ending, that part. So I remember that from when I was uh watching like a decade ago. I remember that was like on TV or something. That's the version that they had it. He's not in the original ending because the Audrey twos are taking over the fucking world. No. Yeah. Oh, I should have been more specific. <laughs> or we or we should have solidified a version. It's fine. Just, hey, there's two versions of it. Go watch go watch both of them and them. decide which one you like most. 
I mean, it's good that we watched different ones on accident. So this way we can <laughs> obviously compare. The yeah. Endings. Like I remember the first, the, the, the one that actually ended up coming out. I remember all that is just not as clear in my mind as the director's cut, I guess you'd call it because that's the one I just watched yesterday. I was like, my wife was like, so are you doing, I was like, I'm not doing shit. Cause I, I need to rewatch this movie. So I'm talking about it tomorrow and I don't remember half of the songs. Yeah. So, and I got, yeah, I got to sit down and watch it. I was, I don't know if you could hear me from, uh, you know, across the country, but I was definitely thanking you because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, a good movie that I have to watch. Ah! I cried a little because it was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you sent me some of the ones that you'd already done and, uh, or, and, and some of the ones that people have claimed already. And I was mm-hmm. like, God damn it. I really wanted to do that one. So I had a bunch handful others so oh don't worry we're still in it we're still in the infancy of this podcast (laughs) it's not like i'm a hundred episodes in and i'm like you have these three options to pick from (laughs) oh yeah there were there were still plenty of options just (laughs) some of the ones that i would have wanted to pick were already taken i was like god damn it oh i'm sorry oh no it's fine i'm a huge scrubs fan oh Um, yeah i saw scrubs was taken i was like god damn i wanted this i wanted to talk about singing about poo (laughs) Well, that was that was with my movie deja vu co-host and she and when i was telling her about doing this she was like i want my musical and i went okay (laughs) and she was like the first person i told so obviously she had first rights yeah you get dibs yeah she got i got in when i got in out of the movie version obviously this is all you know would there would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist feed me okay feed me so so it's so it's it's twofold it's one you're 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 the plant saying i will do literally anything for you if you just give me food which is my life really just feed me and i'm i'll whatever you want you want me to go kill somebody Uh, mcdonald's i'll take (laughs) and then on the other side it's seymour saying you know the the plant singing to him like hey give me food i'll give you anything you want and seymour's contemplating killing somebody just so he can get the things he wants again it's like i kind of want that thing and i'm not morally solidified enough to say no that i wouldn't i meant to talk about this earlier but we've been on different tangents now we're going to go on another one this story is fascinating because obviously you have the dentist who is like we've talked about he's an asshole and abuser and all that but this movie shows that even the nice guy has a dark side Mm -hmm. and he doesn't technically kill him see martin kills himself he just disposes of the body yeah he doesn't technically kill anyone yeah really yeah but like he has this big secret (laughs) (laughs) yeah that uh put it sure he's he's in charge of a man-eating plant yeah so like he's he does nice guys are even bad (laughs) yeah but you got he does turn down a lot of the publicity he's like i i I don't want any of this i can't take it he's ready to take the money that they're giving him for a tv show and run away because he (laughs) he knows what kind of uh, problems are going to arise if if audrey too keeps getting bigger and bigger he gets that so i think he's trying to stop a little bit of it but he's also trying to save his own skin at the same time right at the end of it he's gotten in way too deep well i meant more so for like dating reasons because like audrey complains about how she's dating a a, a, a sort of semi-sadist that's the word i was looking for yeah but then obviously 
the nice guys that you try to date have everybody's a, got, yeah, has everybody's, got everybody's got a little something back there be careful out there yeah <laughs> the dating i got lucky my my wife's not too crazy you never said about you oh god <laughs> no i said i got I never said it's she got lucky i said I got lucky. <laughs> uh for me i actually did like somewhere that's green especially during i i tweeted this while watching it um yeah. i never realized that that was always in the back of my head during the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> during the oh, okay. during the time of self isolation, yeah, where, yeah, where you're like, oh, one of these days, I, I, it's gonna be better, right, guys? So go somewhere where there's people. I miss concerts. I'm, I miss people. Um, I don't miss people. I miss concerts. I miss <laughs> going to the movie theater. I'm not a people person. That's why. That's why all my stuff is on computer and I put it out there. It's like that's why we podcast, right? That's right. <laughs> um, and then I love dentist uh so i could listen yeah. to that and then as much as i complained about it as my flat i will put suddenly seymour just because i love that song yeah it's it gets great. stuck in your head so fucking easy yes, suddenly, yes and, just the word suddenly seymour over and over again just gets stuck in your head and you know sometimes i sing audrey's part sometimes i sing seymour's part whatever not a bit you know that's and, not a thing. and maybe I should try and harmonize it to myself one day. <laughs> huh. I think how that would work. I have to obviously record to both parts. <laughs> yeah. You know, they do a call and response in a way uh-huh. where she'll say suddenly Seymour and then he and the core and the urchins yeah. respond, which you can't do that by yourself, apparently. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> But you can't because it's impossible. Yeah. Damn it, science. Just make sure you record in the bathroom. That's where I guess the best acoustics are. (laughs) What are you doing in the shower? Just nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just just go about your business. Medical emergency. Why don't you guys go out for a while? (laughs) I'm going to be here in a minute. Uh, It's on the paper. (laughs) Uh. With a poop joke, we're done. <laughs> That's how I like to end all my podcasts. That's yeah. Joke. Kevin, we've come to the end of the episode. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? Sure. Well, I got the uh, podcast I do with my wife, Open a Fucking Book, where we talk about the history of authors. We like to say the stories that created the authors. And we go over their biographies, the things that uh, inspired them to write what they wrote. And we also have uh, weekday cliff notes which is where we just review a few books and then uh, talk about new book news and stuff like that. My wife's a big book nerd and it's something we kind of bonded over, but we've been on a little bit of a hiatus lately. She's been going through some uh, medical stuff. So we're right in the middle of a series and we're going to get picked back up on that here. And not too long. She said she feels good enough today. So we might try to get some recording in this weekend. Uh, She's okay. Nobody needs to worry. This is one of the things that comes and goes and uh, she will be okay. It's just, you know, family comes first fingers crossed for a speedy recovery for her thank you very much and also i've been doing a uh, D podcast with some friends over zoom we're actually from all over the world our dm lives in ireland phil who is one of our uh he's going to be doing a lot of our promotion he lives in canada i live near st louis Keishla. Uh, she lives down in florida 
Michael, who does all our recordings, lives over in Washington. Turner, who is our pretty much our DMD guru, he lives down in Texas. So we're literally all over the fucking place. Uh, so we just started recording. Um, I mean, we record for a few months, but we haven't put out any episodes yet because there's so much content. Michael's trying to edit it down. Once that's all up, I will let you know, and we will get that out there. And everybody, go. I believe the title we settled on for right now is "Roll for What." <laughs> most of us have never played D before, and half the thing was like, "Okay, I'm rolling for what?" So, oh, that's so um, that's so fascinating that you're all noobs to it or well, newish. So me, Phil, and Keishla are the newest to it. Dan, our DM over in Ireland, he, he's been doing it for a while. He knows what he's doing. Mike in Washington, he's been doing it for a long time. He knows what he's doing. And Turner's kind of, you know, he, there's nothing about D&D he doesn't know. So it's kind of three pros and three novices. Or three pros, two novices, and one who Phil has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> Love the guy to death. But he's, he's like, what am I rolling for? It's like, this. you're rolling for that. Can I roll for this? No, it has nothing to do with what we're doing. And you guys haven't set up any sort of like social media yet for it? Not yet. So I'm going to be the guy, as far as I know, doing most of the social media for it. We're waiting kind of to, to have a set date on when we're going to put up put out an episode. And uh, once we get that, then I'm going to be like, hey, you know, coming because I don't want to I mean, coming soon. You know, I want I want people right. to know when we're going to be out. So uh, just but, let me know. I'll promote the shit out of it. With, for, well, I appreciate it. And you know what? If it's another two years before it comes, I don't care. It's been fun as hell. I never thought D&D, I, I never thought much about D&D when I was a kid, but now that I'm an adult, God, I love it. It's great. It's great. D&D and space plant monsters. That's it. right. I play D&D with my kids now because of it. That is awesome. Yeah, we uh, we set up a table upstairs in their room, and I got, I got these new microphones, and I got our old microphones. So I set them all up. I was like, you guys want to record a podcast? They're like, sure. So we've been recording uh, a D&D podcast with a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old. So you can imagine how that is going. That's am- uh, The 11-year-old is winning, I'm assuming, or, uh, or kicking ass and taking names. So here's, here's the thing. As an adult, you get into it and you play D&D and you're like, okay, how can I attack this person? Who can I kill? What can I, who can I deceive? And I'm playing with the kids and almost every time it's, okay, you got this goblin. He's running towards you. Uh, you got one action. You know, he's got an armor class of this and you do that and that. What do you want to do? Can I befriend him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, it's D&D. You can literally do anything that you want as long as you could roll for it, but he's a goblin, you know, he's evil. He's coming right for you. Uh, you're going to have to natural 20. God damn it. Okay, fine. Now you and the goblin are friends. Apparently you're friends with the goblin that was going to kill you. Allies, and it's man. every, it's every goblin, every monster we come across. Like, can we, can we befriend him? Can we talk to him? It's like, you're so much better than I am as a person. <laughs> Because I just, I immediately go for the violence. So they're like, can we just be friends? Can we just get what we want by being friends? It's like, what is wrong with you or me? I don't know which. Oh, and if you want to join in on the D&D action with Kevin, you can email me and by way of him, I guess, uh, at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. And if you want to 
you know, write in a little your thoughts about uh, Little Shop of Horrors or D and D, I guess. Yeah, any you know what? Just anything. Just anything. Like like we we say it open a fucking book. Even if you just want to shoot the shit, just email us. We don't give email a fuck. us. Email, email me. Yeah, we'll talk to you about anything. Clearly, I like to talk. Uh, and, if, <laughs> and if you, you want to be... have a podcast, if you didn't like to talk, <laughs> that's the point of it. It's so true. I know. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Babes in Toyland, the Annette oh. Funicello version. Okay. Not so the be... Laurel and Hardy one. Oh, okay. So not not the super old one. Not the super old one, but the Just old the, one. The old one. Okay. Which it's is like Little Shop of Horrors. Not the super not old the super one. Old the one, just the old one. one. Which is available on Disney Plus. Not sponsored, but maybe one day it'll be sponsored. One day, cross them. your fingers. <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye for now, I guess. <laughs> That's it. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.